Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Uh, We got changes in our nation's capital. And luckily for us at the moment, it's just basketball. Buddy, Buddy, relax. Just basketball. Uh, Wes Unsell Jr. is out as the Washington Wizards head coach, as per this Shams tweet that you can see on your screen, and will move to a front office role. So the Wizards took mercy on poor Wes Unsell Jr. and are moving him over to the front office where he can, I guess at times, just watch this bleep show on television instead of having to be on the sideline yelling about said bleep show on a night-to-night basis. What does this mean? Uh, well, first thing is uh, we also we already have a report um, that Brian Keefe, the top assistant coach on the Wizards, is going to be promoted to the interim head coach for the rest of this year. So they're not going to be looking at any long-term replacement until the offseason. And we don't know what Brian's going to do, if anything different. But what we do know is that this is a team that has gone full bore. Not that it wasn't super obvious already, but this pretty much is kind of the nail in the coffin for anything other than complete rebuild. Because remember, Wes Unsell Jr. came in uh, when this team still had Bradley Beal, and uh, this team still had, I think, Christoph Porzingis at that point, and they weren't... It wasn't straight rebuild at that point. They weren't good but they were at least attempting to be lightly competitive. This move, saying, you know what, it's fine, come over, just hang out with us in the front office. We're going to make an assistant. You can figure out how to do it. We'll go find somebody that's going to orchestrate a rebuild. That's what's next. And so, if there was any question on what the Wizards would likely be doing as we approach the trade deadline, this, I think, also sort of puts that in Sharpie, you know, etches it into the stone, whatever. This is a team that's tearing it down to the studs. So who's on the move then? Well, they do actually have a couple of veterans on that team, and some of them other teams actually want. Sorry, Jordan Poole, you're not that guy. But Kyle Kuzma is a seemingly a pretty good, still relatively young basketball player, who's making, uh, is, he actually has a decreasing salary over the next three seasons. He has a, three more years on his deal after this one, but it goes down. It's 26 this year, then 24, 22, and then 19. So he has actually a very interesting salary. Tyus Jones is an expiring $14 million deal. That's an extremely coveted item for a good basketball player. They have DeLon Wright. On an expiring deal, I don't know that anybody wants that. They got Daniel Gafford on a very affordable deal. He's making about 13, 14 mil over the next two seasons after this one. Marvin Bagley, who I think just got moved, so there may be some restrictions on him. But there are a number of players on this Wizards roster that they could move for picks or younger players. Probably it'll be picks and expiring contracts. And then those are the kind of guys that end up getting waived. So we have to start thinking about, and I I know, you know, we did a show yesterday on stash candidates, and we did a show like a week and, about a week ago on stash candidates as well, and we had already talked about Bilal Kulbili, who uh, was Wizards' high draft pick this year, Uh, obviously he's 
part of their future. He has, I, I mean, I, I think it, we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't at least bring him up again briefly on this show. Uh, but he does have some glaring issues with his fantasy game. He's shooting uh, 65% at the free throw line this year. That's painful, especially from a from a guard, big guard, small wing, whatever you want to call it. He's like 6'8", but he's supposedly the, the point guard of the future, along with Anthony Black. Uh, but he's not like a true point guard. Um, the steals and blocks are good. For Bilal, he's at 0.8 of each of them in about 26 minutes of ball game. I am, and and I do think that it probably makes sense to use a roster spot on stashing Bilal. I don't know that, I still don't know that it's a guarantee that he gets there if only Tyus Jones gets moved. Sorry, Anthony Black is not on this team. He's on the in the Magic. I don't know why the hell I said that. Uh, Bilal, I guess, is the guy that they want to play point, but he's not really a point guard. So, you know, we're looking at a situation where this is a guy who's averaging 1.8 assists in 26 minutes of ball game. And obviously that, you know, he'd have the ball in his hands more if Tyus Jones is gone, but he's not just magically going to become a six assist guy overnight. But if this team moves multiple people, that to me is where things get very interesting for the wizards. If they move multiple people, because, uh, Denny Avdia, who's on a uh, a very good deal, and they and his extension kicks in next year as well. Also a possibility to get moved. I don't know. I don't know why they'd move him. He seems pretty good and still pretty young, but I guess anything's possible. Let's say, I, I think the three most likely candidates, and I don't know that all three of them get moved, but you got to figure at least one, maybe two, are Tyus Jones, Kyle Kuzma, Daniel Gafford. Tyus Jones seems the most likely. Expiring deal, everybody needs a backup point guard or even a starting point guard. If your current one is not very good, contending teams are going to want Tyus Jones. Uh, he'll he'll net something. And there's absolutely no reason to hang on because it's not like you can try it again the following year. At least with Kuzma and Gafford, if you don't get what you want at this deadline, you could try to move them in the offseason. You could try to move them at a future deadline. You have more time and you don't have to rush through what's likely to be here a couple season rebuild. This is not going to be like, oh, they blow it up and they're ready to go again next year. This is going to be a couple of years, so they don't have to blitz through it. We've seen they're very capable of losing games with both Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma playing. So again, they don't have to move these guys. Same story with Daniel Gafford. I think it would be wise to do so because you accelerate the rebuild. And then if there's anybody else you want to get into the game, this becomes kind of your time to do it. But now we got to figure out who those guys are. Bilal played 21 minutes in the Wizards' last game, a loss at home to the Minnesota Timberwolves. He had four points and one assist and three turnovers. There's still a very large learning curve there, and even if he's playing 32 minutes a game, I don't know that he gets inside the top 109 cat. So I think it's worth exploring, but I also think that perhaps we need to be approaching this from a different direction. Perhaps the way we need to be looking at this is is there someone on this team that 100% steps into value if someone else, player B, gets moved? And I hate to say it because I detest, detest, detest his fantasy game. But the guy that has perhaps the best pathway forward is Marvin Bagley. 
And I can't stand his fantasy game. But if he's playing starters minutes on a tanking team, he's going to score and rebound a lot. And there are these little snippets of Bagley's career where you can zoom in on games where he played 30 minutes a night. And you can find some pretty big issues with it because his foul shooting is truly awful this year at 52%. But that's not where he's going to be. He'll eventually get up to like, you know, probably low 70s. Hard to know for sure. Maybe he's gone full yips mode there. I, I guess anything is possible. But, uh, you know, he shot 82% at the foul line in Detroit earlier this year. So I, I don't think 52% is a long-term thing. And in 29 and a half minutes with the Wizards, because most of these games he's been starter minutes. Two of them he played starter minutes, and then the last one, Daniel Gafford, was in foul trouble. So he was, like, kind of approaching starters minutes. Bagley's had 18 points and 11 rebounds with a steal and almost a block a game. We've never really seen Marvin play consistent starters minutes. The closest we've come was right after Detroit acquired him two years ago. I know it doesn't feel like it's been that long, but it's been that long. And he averaged 15 and 7 with .7 steals in about 27 minutes of ballgame. And that was with other guys actually standing upright on the roster. If Bagley continues here, Gafford gets moved and Jones gets moved. He, he becomes the sort of untethered third option behind Kuzma and Jordan Poole, who's terrible. And I can't stand that I'm actually going down this path. Even in my mind, it makes me sick to my stomach. But uh, it's actually Bagley. He has a better path than Bilal, who... As much as I want to talk myself into the Koulibaly thing, his fantasy game isn't there yet. You're going to get some steals and some blocks. Not as many as it seems like. That's the thing, too, with, with Koulibaly. Like, he's not, at a he's not at a crazy high number of this stuff. He's at 20-some-odd, what, what did I say, 26 minutes a game already, and he's at .8 steals and .8 blocks. Obviously, full starters minutes. One of each is fun, but it's not like... You know, 1.5 steals and 1.2 blocks. He's sort of on pace for about one and one. And, you know, I, yeah, everybody does loves the Danny Green model of one three, one steal, one block. But the problem, of course, is that if this is a guy who's scoring 11 points a game with five rebounds in one of each, you're talking about, well, and a horrible free throw percent. You're talking about somebody that is pressing to try to get into the top 100 and just frankly needs to be better at the foul line to do it. All right, Dan, that's a lot of talking. What does this actually mean you're doing is the question that I think you guys are probably wondering now. What am I doing? Well, uh, I would consider a stash spot for Marvin Bagley. I would consider one for Bilal Koulibaly. Between those two, I would actually, believe it or not, lean to Bagley, even though I think the odds are that Tyus Jones is the guy that gets moved, mostly because I don't believe that Koulibaly, if you're not punting free throws, I don't believe he's a nine-cat play unless two guys on this team get moved. Meaning you need Kuzma, probably, and Jones to free up enough usage to get Bilal pushing that top 100 range. Get him into the you know, 11, 12 shots a game instead of 7 or 8 or whatever we're looking at here if only Tyus Jones gets moved, or 9 even. That's still not enough. We need more than that. Kobe Bryant meme. More. More. 
What if Kuzma is the only guy who gets moved? Uh, I don't know that there's a direct beneficiary. It feels like everybody just ends up doing a little bit more. Maybe that's finally what it takes to kind of spring Jordan Poole. Probably not. But that's what you got going down in Wizards Town right now. You've got a team leaning hard into the rebuild. And then maybe what if everybody gets moved? There's no way anyone's taking on Jordan Poole. But what if Kuzma, Jones, and Gafford all get shuttled out? Well, then Bilal and Bagley, to me, become the very obvious plays. Poole ends up doing a lot. Avdia becomes an absolute behemoth in that spot. And you might see someone like, oh, I don't know. Maybe you get Corey Kispert playing just enough, but that's a fringy, fringy option. And I don't think you need to go down that path. Welcome, foolish mortals, to Fantasy NBA Today. We are officially now welcoming you to the show, because I didn't do that at the outset, and I wanted to get right into it. And I did. So no one can no one can complain that I uh, didn't get into the stuff today, huh? That's right. I'm Dan Vespers, at Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. To those that are watching on Twitter already, Make sure you click the follow button here if you're just like scrolling past and it pops up on your For You timeline. You got to hit the follow button. And please do like whatever things you got scrolling by as well. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. And if you're listening after the fact, rate and subscribe. I haven't asked for ratings all that much this year, at least not in sort of the traditional sense. Maybe I'll try to get that late season push going. It's late season. It's still mid-season, I guess, but it feels late. Head-to-head side, it's kind of late season. Uh, please do take a moment to go drop a thumbs up on our trade deadline live show. That link is in the show description. I'm also throwing it in the chat room right now for those that are watching with us live and in person. Uh, I'm desperately trying to get to 500 pre-likes on that show. It's at 449 right now. Certainly the pace per day has indeed slowed a little bit, but you guys can help on that uh, regard by heading over there and making sure to thumbs up our Trade Deadline live show page. It's got a big old picture of D'Lo on the cover, since it sure seems like he's likely to be on the move. Other stuff to cover today. Yeah, we got a few things to go over, and the other one is what happened yesterday. It's a box score analysis time on the show. A typical recap podcast as well, so we can get that going right away. And I'll tell you more about some of our partners mid-program. For now, however, let's talk about the Washington Wizards and the Timberwolves who played yesterday. No Mike Conley was out with a cold. Nikhil Alexander-Walker got another start, and it was uninspiring, which is sort of what we expected, and that means there's nothing we need to discuss on the Minnesota side. Nas Reed, I guess, maybe. I say there's nothing to discuss, and then I'm like, well, wait a minute, maybe we should talk about Nas Reed. He's number 115 on the year. But he's very much a guy who runs in kind of fits and starts. When he's good, he's good. When he's bad, he's bad. you got to catch him on the right night. You kind of have to hope that you can pull a rabbit out of a hat, get him on the, you know, he's warm day. Um, And you didn't here, which is odd because you figured against the Wizards that would be a good time to try it. But uh, not to be. I always think of that scene from uh, Last Action Hero with Arnold where they're showing like all the things, all the 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 movies that he's been in at the beginning, the the movie character he's playing, and he it's the Arnold character as Macbeth, to be or not to be, and he flicks a cigar and it sets off an explosion, and then he says not to be. Love that damn movie. Anyway, here's the Wizards. Daniel Gafford fouled out in 21 minutes. That's why Marvin Bagley had 17 and 15. But again, like. 
much as I dislike Bagley's fantasy game, if he's going to get 30 minutes post-deadline, if Gafford gets moved, it's juicy time. And then here's Bilal, who, you know, even in a game where Tyus Jones wasn't very good, Jones at least did get 33 minutes. He'll be fine as long as he's sort of still here. And then Jordan Poole, I, you look, I, I didn't draft him in a single nine-category league, and I tried to tell you guys not to draft him in a single nine-category league. He's truthfully one of the worst picks of the last, like, five to ten years. Someone that was getting drafted mid-fourth round that just did not perform at all. And it's not injury-related either. Like, most of the other ones you can trace back to some kind of injury. Uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr. went really early a couple years ago, but then he played, like, three games and his back went out. This is just, he's terrible. Anywho, uh, Denny Avdia, keep it rolling. Kuzma was, uh, you know, well-rounded in this game. And Gafford, you're still playing until the trade deadline and blah, blah, blah. Let's keep moving. There's not a whole lot else to say about the Wizards. Charlotte in Detroit took the loss. Oh, poor Hornets, man. Uh, they're looking to try to blow things up as well. They've already moved Terry Rozier. We know Miles Bridges is on the block. Uh, presumably, I, and again, I don't know what the rules are here, but I would assume P.J. Washington, because his was an extension. His was not an extension. It was a restricted free agent contract, I believe. So I think he can get moved. They're going to try to clear the deck also. I had a lot of you in my mentions yelling about how it was Nick Smith Jr. season, and I, was, I, I did a long segment on a show earlier this week about how I was like, look, even if it is his season as ZN, his fantasy game is not that good. Well, you guys are not in my mentions after this one, are you? Three points in 17 minutes for Nick Smith, who very much needs more people out of the way right now. And, oh, Gordon Hayward is another candidate to get traded if he ever is healthy enough to play again. In terms of who you're playing for Charlotte right now, I don't know that I'm starting P.J. Washington. I know he had a better ball game here, but the Pistons defense had a lot to do with that. If he's coming off the bench and basically soaking up Nick Richards' leavings for the most part... That, to me, is not quite enough for P.J. on a night-to-night basis. He also shot the ball well, but only six field goal attempts here. He made four three-pointers. Everything had to break his way. So you're going Nick Richards. You're going Brandon Miller, who's kind of beginning to show signs of figuring things out a little. Uh, you know, he'll cool off at some point, but, like, there's just there's more than enough usage for him, so that's an obvious yes. And then, uh, of course, LaMelo Ball. But, that, to me, that's as far as you need to go. And then Detroit, also a mess leading up to the trade deadline. Of course, the difference for the Pistons is that their tradable assets are basically Alec Burks and Boyan Bogdanovich. And then we heard a, a story this morning about how they don't want to move those guys. And it's like, what the hell are we even doing here? Monte Morris came back and played 11 minutes, but he's not. his fantasy game is not good. And I don't think he's going to get enough minutes to matter. And presumably he's also on the block, secretly or otherwise. And you guys keep yelling at me about Jaden Ivey, and I'm just going to keep saying the same thing over and over again. He is a points league behemoth with Cade Cunningham out, and he struggles in nine cat because his free throw percent is god-awful. He turns the ball over a lot, and his field goal percent is not a positive either. He's averaging 25-6 and six over the last six ball games, and he's ranked outside the top 200. How? Because he's at 1.1 combined defensive stats, negatives, 45% from the field on 17 shots, big negative. 63% free throw, big negative. Three turnovers, medium negative. Those are more negatives than positives. I don't know what to tell you guys. That's just math. You can yell at me all you want, but the math is the math for a reason. 
I get it. Subtleties in the rank board exist. But when you're ranked outside the top 200, that's bad. And anyway, Cade's coming back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're possibly as soon as their next ball game, so the whole thing's going to get flipped on its head. Isaiah Stewart's had a couple decent ones lately. Uh, this one was more his, his kind of more traditional, like 10 points and some medium number of rebounds and a three-pointer kind of game. No pass. Asser Thompson who I'm very interested in down the stretch, but not yet. Pass. Burks, I'll play until Cade comes back. Really, the only guys that, like, once things resettle here, it's Duran, Bogdanovich, and Cade Cunningham. Those are the three guys you're starting on the Pistons, and you don't have to worry about a whole lot else. Grizzlies beat the Heat. Uh, silly expression. Got themselves a cold pack. Beat the Heat this summer. I feel like I'm doing a, a, a bit. Uh, Miami has lost four games in a row, and this one is sort of an unacceptable loss as they fall now into a tie with the Pacers, who are also losing because they're down Halliburton, and the Magic, who are also losing, and the Hawks, who are always losing. I mean, this is like the the middle crust of the East is in a rough way right now. Uh, Vince Williams with everybody hurt, literally everyone. No Luke Kennard, uh, no Santi Aldama. So the Grizzlies were down two more people in this game. JJJ played but he was the only player that Miami was focused on defensively. Bam Adebayo, everybody else was swarming him, and he had a bad ball game as a result. So other guys had to step up, and they did. Vince Williams Jr., he's a play every day. Luke Kennard, when he comes back, is a play every day. And I'll say, so, okay, very short term, we know John Conchar can put up, like, kind of quiet nine-cat numbers. He had 11 and 10 here with a, a three, a steal, and a block on good percentages. You know, that's... Conchar is probably playable so long as Luke Kennard is out because he's kind of like the next guy up for that particular roster slot. David Roddy had an okay game. Typically, his fantasy game is just three-pointers, so I'm not that tempted to go down the David Roddy path. And then Xavier Tillman, who had a really nice line in only 18 minutes off the bench. But my takeaway from this game, in addition to the fact that you're you're rolling Vince Williams and Conchar is your Kennard fill-in who was already a fill-in for... You know, Desmond Bain, who, and so on and so forth. Uh, my takeaway is that as soon as Santi Aldama is healthy, he's a guy it looks like the Grizzlies are going to want to get involved. Because my initial thought process, and this is Miami, so like Bam Adebayo is a, a large front court player. He's not a, like a post player in the traditional sense. But he's big. And... The Grizzlies, at least for this game, were comfortable saying, all right, JJJ, he's your guy in the starting lineup, and Jaron Jackson got annihilated by Bam. But, you know, I thought that Tillman would get the start, and they'd let JJJ deal with, you know, Haywood Highsmith or something like that. But Tillman didn't get to play all that much, and maybe some of that is injury-related. Maybe it's because he's on the block and they don't want him to get re-injured. But suffice it to say, I am currently pretty excited about Santi Aldama the rest of the year. And I know he's hurt. He's dealing with this sore knee, banged knees. Uh, 
But based on what we saw yesterday, the fact that even with Aldama out, Xavier Tillman didn't get a bump in minutes, that tells me that when Aldama's back, he's going to be getting 25 to 32 minutes most games. And, you know, we need his percentages to be a little bit better than they were. But in my eyes, that means Aldama is one of my favorite it's not even a stash anymore. Active stash is what we like to call him. He's my favorite active stash right now because it seems like the Grizzlies are pivoting in his direction kind of regardless of who else is available for them right now. And Aldama does have some interesting fantasy upside. If the percentages are not that terrible, which they are kind of terrible right now, but let's say they come back a little towards you know where he was last year, this is a guy who can put up very well-rounded lines. He can score, he can board, he can pass, he can steal, he can block, he can hit three-pointers. You just need the percentages to not be a train wreck. And you're talking about a guy with some kind of decent fantasy upside. You guys might remember the beginning of last year. Remember the beginning of last year uh, where JJJ was out and not for nearly as long as any of us suspected? And myself included, I thought Brandon Clark was going to get to play a bunch, but it ended up being the Santi Aldama show at the beginning of last season. JJJ came back like four or five weeks into the year, but that first little bit less than a month for Aldama, he played well. He had nice lines, steals, blocks, threes. Yeah, he was doing it all. And he, in my eyes, is probably getting better year over year. So if you look at the games where Aldama's played 30 minutes, the lines are pretty consistently good. And that's kind of what you're looking for here. Can he get all the way to 30? I don't know. But in my eyes, it's worth a try. To me, honestly, this is one of the biggest stories from last night, that the other big men for the Grizzlies didn't really play all that much, and it's like they're just keeping the seat warm for Aldama. This is game one for Terry Rozier in Miami, and it was generally kind of ugly. Caleb Martin and Bam Adebayo had decent games, and everybody else stunk. And this is going to happen for a few uh, a week or two while they work in their new piece, especially because the rest of the Heat are in a, in a serious rut right now. Um... When Jaime Jaquez comes back, there is, I mean, maybe you see him start for Highsmith, but I don't know that there's enough for him. So I think you can probably punt on everybody that's not one of the main Heat guys now. And that includes Caleb Martin, who I know had a good ballgame yesterday in 29 minutes off the bench, but I don't think that we can count on that. You're definitely not adding Josh Richardson. He was starter in name only here. He's sort of placeholding for Rozier. uh, And... That's, I think, where you just settle it. You just go with the four names and don't worry about anything else. Yeesh, Houston, not a good look here. Rockets, uh, now 20 and 23, they've really fallen on hard times. And teams like the Jazz and the Lakers are uh, very grateful because that's allowing them, despite also uh, kind of muddling through it, uh, to maintain their play-in spots. Portland beats Houston in overtime. Oops. That was a bad win for the Blazers, too. They got to remember to keep losing ballgames. Uh, but DeAndre Ayton finally busted out. That's much needed after some very quiet ballgames. Uh, Anthony Simons busted out. Jeremy Grant busted out. Malcolm Brogdon filling in for Shaden Sharp busted out. I did a big segment on Jabari Walker, and everybody got mad at me again because I said, all right, well, like, you know, let's keep it together. This is a guy in my eyes that really needs. Jeremy Grant to get moved for me to feel super comfortable about it because when Sharp comes back, he takes Brogdon's spot. So even if Brogdon gets moved at the deadline, that's sort of a one-to-one flip there. And there's not quite enough usage available at the moment for Jabari Walker to hold consistent fantasy value. 
So let's assume Brogdon gets moved. Sharp comes back. That's sort of a wash. Uh, Scoot's going to play more as the season goes. Um, so where is this extra playing time and usage going to come from for Walker? I wish I had an obvious answer. Like maybe Matisse Thybul gets moved and that's a couple extra minutes, but it's not like there's usage coming from Thybul. He, he, t- he takes none. Matisse has no usage. We need a usage guy out of the way, and the only reasonable one to move would be Jeremy Grant, but he's on a contract for the next half decade. That is a difficult player to move. So I like Jabari Walker just fine. I just think that he's probably going to be quietly punching along as like a 100 to 140 range guy, and I don't see a big upward leap coming for him anytime super soon, trade deadline or not. As far as the Rockets go, Jeff Green got the start for Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, Rockets are flailing right now. They are getting a lot of production from Freddie Van Vliet and Alperen Sengun, and not enough from everybody else, and frankly, not enough defense. The defense has completely vanished for this Houston team, and I don't know that Jabari Smith Jr. is the obvious answer. I just think that teams have kind of figured out how to counter what the Rockets are doing, and teams are scoring at will. It's not all on Shangun. Certainly some of it is, and it's not like they have a better option there because he's one of the two guys doing anything on offense for the team right now. Although, credit to Jalen Green. He did have a slightly better shooting game for once. Uh, this team just has no depth, and it caught up with them. They're exhausted. Or at least everybody that is not sort of used to the grind of an NBA season, and so they're not guarding anybody right now. Whoopsies. Is Tari Eason going to fix that? I don't know. He'll help. Milwaukee, game one under Joe Prunty while they wait on installing Doc Rivers, who got himself a four-year, $40 million contract. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what to tell you, folks. Uh, Anyway, hey, Max Struess over 50% again. Slowly he turns, inch by inch. Struess back up to number 109 on the year. He's shooting 40.5%. Ever so close to being an everyday start. Again. Again. Hang on. Jared Allen continues to punch along here. Um, Donovan Mitchell had sort of a weird shooting game. Struggled a bit. Uh, Karis LeVert came back. I guess that was something. Sam Merrill hit four more three-pointers. You guys don't want me to just narrate what happened yesterday. That's not interesting. Um, I think you can start LeVert until Darius Garland comes back. It seems like Struess is now startable again. Um, Sam Merrill, I I just... If you need three three three-pointers on any given night and you're not worried about the other things that might come from this player, then I guess that makes sense. I don't, I mean, we didn't really see any large-scale changes for the Bucks yesterday compared to what they normally do. This was just a team getting sort of like the coaching bounce, the wake-up call game. Uh, I'm not going to make any adjustments to the Bucks unless something forces me to, with or without Doc Rivers. Devin Booker, another giant game. He's mad lately. Booker's on the rise. He's back up to number 18 after he had fallen into the early third round. And, you know, this is how the season goes. Guys get hot. Guys cool off. Uh, he's in a in the middle of a massive heater right now. If you can sell Booker for a mid-second, you probably do it. Uh, but also at the same time, like, he's still fine. He'll be fine. Even when he cools off a little, he'll be fine. Uh, just a massive, massive game. 46 points on 23 shots. Bradley Beal, he's settled in. Grayson Allen's a hold. Nurk is a hold. 
KD was due for a slightly quieter ball game. This was a, a, a starker cool down than I expected, but he's still number nine, so I don't think we're worried about it. Dallas side, Kyrie missed this ball game. He was dealing with a sprained thumb. He said he'd be fine after the last ball game, but then he ended up needing a day off, so hopefully he'll be back pretty soon. Luca, Tim Hardaway Jr., Derek Lively, those are the three guys I would consider. Um, Lively got eaten alive by the Suns, and it shouldn't be all that surprising. I do still think that Dallas badly needs to upgrade, and, and maybe Lively ends up being a really good basketball player. I know they're excited about him. And I like his fantasy game. He reminds me a lot of, like, early Nick Claxton, who's not, like, an old customer, but he's been around for a few years now. But the Mavs are not going anywhere this year with a rookie as their big man and the sort of mishmash of wing depth they have. They need to figure out how to consolidate into better players, which is why I keep thinking they got to go get someone like a Daniel Gafford or a Clint Capella or some more reputable big man that isn't going to make the rookie mistakes that Lively's making. And he's making a lot of them. Again, they like him a lot, and he's their best option at center, but that says a lot of not good, great things about their other center options. Dante Exum came back, played 18 and a half minutes off the bench. I don't think he ultimately gets inside the top 100. And frankly, I don't think any of the streamer types get inside the top 100 long-term. In the very short-term with Kyrie out, Hardaway's the one that I'd be looking at. Chet and Wemby went head-to-head yesterday, and Chet's team is a lot better, uh, but Wemby posted the more exotic fantasy line, which is kind of the story here lately this year. Victor has actually passed Chet in 9-cat rankings. Wemby's up to number 13 now. Thanks to a hot shooting stretch, Chet is down to number 19, which we always kind of figured his free throw number is at 78 instead of 90 where it was earlier this year. The rest of his stuff feels relatively repeatable. You know, I don't see any reason why he should fall outside the top 25 or 30. Uh, we also heard that Wembenyama's l- minutes limit might be getting raised up, which is another very nice feather in his cap. My goodness. Like, if he's really going to do more, it's kind of amazing. I did not think that Wemby was going to get into the first round in his rookie season, uh, mostly because I thought he was going to have atrocious field goal issues. And giant turnovers and I thought you know he'd start to run down a little but they've been able to to throttle him back and he just goes so hard in the minutes he's on the court that that's worked out great for fantasy now you guys know I can't stand the rest of the Spurs uh from a fantasy standpoint as far as the Thunder go they're like they have no news every single night Aaron Wiggins got hot but who cares uh, as far as the Spurs go, you got the good Devin Vassell game. That's notable um, because he had been pretty cold. This pushed him back up into the 60s on the year. He's hovering a little bit behind his ADP, but not by much. And, uh, I mean, look at the rest of this mess. No Trey Jones. Blake Wesley started at point. He did have six assists, but he shot five for five, so you're not going to believe that that'll happen again. Malachi Branham at 11 points. Don't care. Zach Collins, 17 minutes. Don't care. There's a lot I don't care for me. Keldon Johnson, 19 minutes. He's basically been phased out. Might even be a candidate to get traded. I don't know that it matters if the Spurs trade people because their veterans are not really playing anyway. Hold on to Trey Jones. He's been playing well prior to this injury. Um, Zach Collins is just a Wembenyama fill-in. Vassell is doing fine. I still think if you can sell on him, it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world, but it'll probably be okay. And then everything else is so settled that there isn't anything you could do about it. 
Before I get to Atlanta and Golden State, because I do think there are a couple of angles in that late ball game, just a quick reminder, everybody, to please, again, I ask you to go drop a thumbs up on our Trade Deadline live show page. That's coming up in two weeks from today, February the 8th, Mm -mm -mm. 7.30 a.m. on February the 8th. Please head over there. The link is on the screen for those that are watching live, and it's in the show description for those that are listening or watching after the fact or whatever it takes. Just head there, click the thumbs up button. If we get a ton of thumbs up before the show even starts, that'll allow us to slide hard into the YouTube algorithm from the moment we click start on that uh, Thursday morning, two weeks from today. So really want to get over 500. I know we can do it, but I do need your help to get there. Also, shout out to Manscaped, one of our longtime partners here on the program. Use promo code ethos20 at manscaped.com to get free shipping and 20% off your order. Again, Awesome, awesome stuff. You'll never need to buy another sideburn trimmer as long as you live because their stuff is just that good. I use it. It's all I use now for hair, for grooming, other than actually going to a place to get my hair cut. But, you know, sideburns, beard, mustache, neck, back, whatever, all Manscaped. Fingernails, Manscaped, Ethos 20, 20% off, free shipping over at manscaped.com. Again, a not-so-subtle reminder to please take a moment to like, rate, subscribe, however you're taking in the podcast. And, of course, if you find me on social, which I hope you will, to please do remember to drop a follow over there. So, uh, last game on the docket yesterday, Atlanta, which, you know, not a whole lot to take off the Atlanta side. Trey Young is out with a concussion, but you can see that the capella Okongwu thing continues to kind of tip I've got to think that Atlanta's exploring Capella trades, even if they're not super vocal about it. We know DeJounte Murray's on the block. And, you know, DeJounte's taking a lot of shots. Right now he's up near, you know, 20 shots a ball game, but that's while Trey is out. On the year, he's at 17 and a half. You drop those back into the pool with everybody else. I mean, look, Jalen Johnson took 16 shots yesterday. Sadiq Bey had 12. Bogdan Bogdanovich only 11. He's a guy you could see a little bit of an uptick there. But you drop DeJounte Murray's shots back into this the pool with everybody else, and that helps a lot of guys. As you're kind of seeing here with Trey Young out, a lot of very fringy fantasy players look playable. And I'll tell you, if, De- if DeAndre Hunter was healthy, he'd be another guy that's probably playable when one of the superstars is out. And that's kind of what it sounds like is about to happen. If Murray gets moved, Trey Young's going to do a bazillion things. And then Jalen Johnson is already a go. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich will get plenty of usage every day. He might even be the starter, or is it Hunter? Even Sadiq Bey, who's somehow been like the most fringy borderline fill-in player the entire damn season, basically since Jalen Johnson got hurt like three weeks into the year, someone's been out to clear the way for him. And if the next person to be out is DeJounte Murray, Sadiq Bey could maintain value. We know the main guys will, Johnson, Bogdanovich, Trey Young. Uh, hoping that Okongwu sees an uptick there. Um, and then Hunter, who I mentioned on a stash show yesterday as somebody that I would strongly consider sticking on a bench because if you put an extra two shots in his bucket, that's all we're talking about here. Not like three, four, five extra. I'm talking about one and a half or two extra shots for Hunter. Then he gets inside the top 100. So there are a lot of options here in Atlanta as the trade deadline approaches. I think, you know, I I probably still prefer Santi Aldama if we're talking about things to do as you're listening to the podcast. But DeAndre Hunter, like, he was just outside the top 100 with the team mostly healthy. 
So put him in a similar spot with Murray's usage now split among the crew, and it almost feels like a given that he moves up a little bit. Now, for the Warriors, we got massive Jonathan Kaminga Day. Um, and this is one of those ones that's that's going to be hard to talk about because it's going to sound like I'm going buzzkill mode, but it's not about being a buzzkill. It's about kind of understanding you know, what a player actually is as opposed to what they did on a given night. Over the last three weeks, Kaminga's inside the top 75. He's at 18.5 points, 5.5 boards, and not much else, honestly. Uh, a three, 1.2 combined defensive stats, but he's shooting 61% over that stretch and 82% at the free throw line. So he's become a big positive in, uh, well, both percentages in a way that is just, frankly, not sustainable. Like, as, as much as we may or may not like Kaminga's fantasy game, he's not going to shoot 62% long-term. He might be in the 50s, you know, he's 50-some-odd for the season. And if you look at previous years, he's been about 52 throughout his career. But mid-60s is not going to happen. And frankly, from the free-throw line, he's at 71% this year, but 68 for his career. He probably didn't just magically become a mid-80s free-throw shooter either. Kaminga's problem is, was, has been, and probably will continue to be, that he doesn't get nearly as many defensive stats as it looks like he should get, he doesn't pass, and his rebounding is only kind of okay. So where is the big, massive push going to come? It's just kind of hard to see. Now, after a giant ball game like this one, it feels sort of nuts to say, well, you, you shouldn't at least like give it a try on the head-to-head side and see what's going down. But also, we need to remember, Draymond Green only played 23 minutes. That's going up. Dario Saric played only 16 minutes, which can't get a whole lot lower. Kavan Looney only played 10 minutes, which, again, also can't really get much lower. So this is kind of like a best-case scenario for Kaminga, who in mid to high 20s in minutes probably gets into, like, the 125 to 150 range. But fantasy holes are the thing that you're going to be looking at. So head-to-head, go ahead, pick him up, see what happens. Roto, uh... He's also the Warriors' best trade ship if they really wanted to go all in here. Uh, we'll see. Um, I don't think Brandon Pajemski needs to be rostered. I think he's gassed. I think the Warriors have sort of their guys back, and they're trying different things right now, and they beat up on a bad Hawks team. Um, Clay, Steph, Dre, those guys are the obvious choices. And then the only other one you're even thinking about, not Wiggins, not Sharich, not Pajemski, is Kaminga, who... Again, Roto, I don't think I'm doing it. Head-to-head, you might as well see what happens. The holes in his fantasy game are less annoying on the head-to-head side. Because you can just sort of roll up stats and not worry about where he might be a negative. Um, And so that's why I think I'm probably okay with that decision. And that is your combo. Washington Wizards breaking news and daily review show. I am Dan Vespers, as I've told you already. There will not be a second show today on this lovely Thursday. I have some play-by-play stuff going on in the afternoon and evening, so uh, I'll be taking care of that. Thank you for watching live, either on Twitter or on YouTube. Thank you for watching After the Fact on either of those places or listening After the Fact on all traditional podcast channels. Please do take a moment, once again, to like, rate, and subscribe, no matter how you're taking in our content here from sportsethos.com. 
I am, again, at Dan Vespers over on social. Please take a second to put that like on our Trade Deadline live show page. I'm just going to be hammering this for the next two weeks, and then you won't have to listen to it again for another year. So please do it. You can tell me you've done it. I will blow you an online kiss or, you know, whatever uh, public display of affection you prefer the most. And, uh, yeah, tomorrow, uh, weekly review show. You guys all seem to like that one. I still really want to get a buy low thing going. I don't know when the hell there's going to be time for it, but just know I'm trying. Uh, and we'll uh, keep doing some stuff over on social in the meantime. Yeah, that's it. Bad ending to a show, but whatever. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.